Good morning, Brentwood Church. I'm so excited for Mosaic Sunday. Uh, so let's jump right in. We've got a lot to cover this morning. But um, I want to start off by giving you to participate with me for just a moment, okay? So I actually want you to participate. So here we go. How many of you have a subscription to Hulu or Netflix? Like that's how you watch your TV and your movies. Just raise your hand. Hulu or Netflix, okay? Great, you can put your hands down. Uh, how many of you actually have that thing called cable? Uh, maybe there's still of you out there that have that. Raise your hand if you have a cable, uh, maybe satellite dish, whatever that is. Raise your hand. Okay, great. Put your hands down. Uh, so you're going to be able to relate to this. The other day, uh, my wife and I were watching one of our favorite TV shows on Hulu called The Blacklist. Uh, we're in the middle of some really intense scene where I think either someone just died or we just found out some new piece of information about Agent Keen's past. When all of a sudden, the show cuts to a commercial, of course, at the most inappropriate time. The next image that we see on the TV is a child. The child standing with a look of desperation on his face, surrounded by poverty, and the voice of some famous actress in the background calling us to an action of social justice. The child displayed is in need of the basic necessities, food, clothes, shelter, education, and ultimately love. Chances are we've all seen that commercial, and there are many different versions out there. Now, when we see these commercials, there are a couple of standard responses. And if I'm honest with myself, I have experienced all three at some point in time. Now, the first response is the feeling of guilt. Guilt. We feel like the organization or celebrity is trying to guilt us into helping their cause. And so our reaction maybe is to rebel against it. Right? We, we turn a blind eye Uh, We pretend we never saw it because we don't want to be guilted into anything. So we're just going to ignore it. It, It's the same reaction, especially this time of year. It's the same reaction when you walk by the Salvation Army worker in the Santa hat ringing the bell. And all of a sudden, what? You pretend to be on your phone. Like, oh, got a phone call or got to text text my friend. Same reaction. Another reaction to those commercials is this. The feeling of hopelessness. Hopelessness. Uh, You want to help. You know you need to do something, but the task honestly feels too big and too daunting. We believe that only people like Mother Teresa or Bono would actually be able to assist to the magnitude that would make a difference. We get overwhelmed. We feel hopeless. But then the show comes back on. And we go right back to wondering if Raymond Reddington is actually Agent Keene's father, which I think he is. The final reaction is better than the first two, but it's still lacking. You see, um, you see the need, you text in the number, right? To donate the $10 and then you move on with your life, uh, hoping that your $10 donation will be used wisely to help that child. Uh, This is the idea of a checklist mentality, checklist mentality. You just marked it off you marked off your good deed and you move on. However, you typically never know um, exactly where the money goes to or who it goes to. You don't even really remember a month from that moment what that $10 went to when you're looking at the end of month budget. The thing that all of these responses have in common is that there is something in all humans that tells us the right thing to do is to stand up for those that can't stand up for themselves. 
Whether we respond in a positive manner or not, there is at least a small desire to provide help and resources to those who can't. Whether you believe that God exists or that there is a higher being, there is still something in you that makes you have a similar reaction to that commercial on TV. You don't even have to believe the Bible is true in order to know that these emotions do exist. We see this in the fact that your son keeps bringing home that stray cat over and over. The fact that my daughter looks at the bug on the ground that's just been killed and wants to save it. You know, actually feels bad for the bug. We also see this in scripture with one of the most famous stories in the Old Testament. And so right now, uh, just take out your Bible or uh, if you have a Bible app, go ahead and open that up and turn to Exodus chapter 2. And while you're opening to that, I would encourage you at maybe a later point in time, maybe later today, to read the story of Moses in its entirety. Especially since there's a movie coming out soon based on the events that we're getting ready to read about. So, Exodus chapter 2. Here's what's happening. The Israelites have been enslaved by the Egyptians and their king, Pharaoh. Essentially, the Israelites began to increase in number, increase in strength. It's something that threatened Pharaoh and his kingdom. So he decided to come up with a plan to control these people. Uh, And this plan involved enslaving them under horrible conditions and even going so far as killing off the male Israelites when they were born. One particular Israelite woman gave birth to a son and, and attempted to hide him from death. So she put him in a basket and floated him down the river. The Pharaoh's daughter is the one that actually discovers the baby. And, and here's what happens. So let's, let's read together. Exodus chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. She saw the basket among the reeds. That's the Pharaoh's daughter. Saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it up, saw the baby. He was crying. And this is important. She felt sorry for him. Now go down a couple of verses. When the child grew older, she took him to the Pharaoh's daughter, and he, the the child, became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. That feeling of sorrow and compassion for the child eventually led the Pharaoh's daughter to adopt him. Now, Moses would go on to be raised as an Egyptian, but would be later chosen by God to free the Israelites from slavery and oppression. We see from these verses that the Pharaoh's daughter had this basic instinct, this human instinct to show compassion and care for the child that she saw floating down the river, who seemingly did not have parents at that time. Now, the chances are extremely high that she did not worship God. Uh, she did, probably didn't even believe in the one true God. Yet, yet, something stirred inside of her. It, it stirred in her to take in this child and to make him her own, to raise the child. Isn't it fascinating also to see how God intended adoption to play an important part in God's plan to free the Israelites? More on that to come. So where does this come from? Uh, where does this come This human desire to stand up for those that can't stand up for themselves. Well, whether we want to admit it or not, it comes from our creator. Uh, It's been etched onto our soul by the very one who created us because it is a part of who he is. It's a part of God's heart. In fact, check out Micah 6, 8 uh, real quick with me. 
He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness or mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is what was written by the, the prophet Micah. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. God wants us to act justly towards others, to do what's right to our neighbor. He wants us to generally, uh, generously give kindness and mercy because it's a part of who God is. As a creation, you and I, we have been made in the image of God, meaning that there is something in us that wants to do likewise. Maybe not all the time and maybe to different degrees, depending on who you are because of our sin nature, but it's still there. Still there. So back to the Pharaoh's daughter. Even though she didn't believe in or worship the one true God, there was something in her that that knew the just thing to do was to take in the child and raise him as her own. But as we've already talked about, sometimes it can feel daunting and overwhelming when we consider all the areas of need and all the different organizations that are asking for our help. It's easy. The the easy thing to do is just to feel guilt or hopelessness or to have that, you know, checklist mentality. I just got it done. Now move on. Knowing that we will never be Mother Teresa. That's just that's just the fact. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that? How how do we overcome a feeling of being defeated and, and actually live our lives in a way that is just, that is kind and mercy giving? Well, uh, lucky for us, in the New Testament, God puts some flesh and specifics on doing justice and loving mercy. He actually is going to call Christians to a specific care of the homeless, the loveless, the person that cannot provide those basic necessities for themselves. It's in James chapter 1. So let's read this. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and thoughtless is this. To look after the orphans and widows in their distress. In other words, James is saying, if you really want to know uh, what is close to the heart of God, what he cares about, and therefore what he wants Christians to care about, it's to take care of orphans and, and widows. Those individuals who are unable to provide a living and love for themselves. They can't provide it for themselves. They are helpless. They're dependent on someone else. Now, this is where we really bring it into focus for Brentwood Church. Okay, We, we bring in the focus. We, we start off by saying that there's a basic, basic instinct within humans toward goodwill. And that it's placed there by our creator who is passionate for the least among us and marginalized. Then we said that if we call ourselves Christians, there is a heightened call to look after the homeless and the loveless, the orphan and the widow. At Brentwood, it has been placed on the hearts of our leadership and people, specifically to do something above and beyond for the orphan, for the child whose birth parents either don't have the capacity to or don't want to provide the necessary level of love, care, and resources that a child needs. This mandate has and will continue to be something that Brentwood invests time and resources and energy into. It doesn't mean that we neglect other areas such as widows or the homeless or the incarcerated, but rather we put a focused attention and a strategy on the orphan. We call it mosaic. 
Mosaic is a ministry here that was birthed uh, here at Brentwood Church. And it provides training, support, and resources to families who've been called to specifically foster and adopt. So let me just give you a picture of what that looks like. Uh, First of all, meals. Meals. Mosaic provides meals for families who've taken in foster children. Uh, When a family receives a child or children into their house, they're immediately given a way to sign up for these meals. Now, uh, these meals are prepared in advance by individuals in our church and also are delivered by individuals in our church. They help relieve so much time and stress on a family who's trying to adapt their entire life to this new addition for however long it may be. Now, this note comes from a family who recently, literally just recently, received a meal through Mosaic. So check out what she writes. She says, Transitioning new children into an existing family is difficult, to say the least. Even when children who don't appear to have issues. Ours is no exception. This new adventure brought um, brought to us has started out bumpy. Your time and generosity are lightening our boat burden. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then she says this. We appreciate the way you have chosen to be the hands and feet of Christ. Isn't that amazing? Like she's saying that we are actually Christ to them by just bringing meals to them. It helps so much. Now, another thing that Mosaic does is uh, we provide bags, Mosaic bags. Maybe you've heard of this. Uh, when a child is put into foster care, through Mosaic, we're able to actually provide them with a bag filled with the basic necessities, uh, toys, uh, even items that they can just call their own, honestly, that can bring a sense of security to the child. Now, check out what this social worker here in Lynchburg says about The mosaic backs. She says, one of the saddest parts of my job is having to explain to a child that they're going to stay with a new family. She says, that is something that no child can comprehend. Yet each time I hand a child their thoughtfully prepared bag, I quickly see the smile spread across their face. For that brief moment in time, it's okay. It's okay just long enough to give that child the courage to walk out the door with their new foster family and give that family a chance. Mosaic gives us the tools to help make the most difficult moments manageable. For that, I am continuously thankful. Mosaic backs. It's amazing. Mosaic also provides support. Uh, You know, for those that are adopting, there's an application online for financial assistance because uh, adopting is a huge financial commitment. For those that are adopting and fostering, there are environments set up for emotional and physical and spiritual support. For instance, uh, we offer mosaic date nights throughout the year where foster and adoptive parents are invited to actually have a date night, something that doesn't happen very often. Uh, It's completely set up by the mosaic team where the parents don't have to worry about finding or paying for a babysitter. They are treated to an incredible night. So let's get down to the bottom line here. Uh, Take out the card that you received on your way in this morning. Just go ahead and take it out. If you consider yourself a part of Brentwood Church and a follower of Jesus, then this is true for you. Check this out. 
taking care of the orphan is more than an act of goodwill. It's an act of obedience. God calls us to do something for those that can't do for themselves. And specifically here at Brentwood, we're going to go after the fatherless and the motherless. Not only that, but I'm about to give you clear and immediate steps that you can take to be part of Mosaic. This is not a commercial that leaves you feeling guilty or hopeless or uninformed. These are simple and clear next steps that can empower you to take action on what God has called us as a church to do. There's something for everybody, something for some, and something for a few. So let's, let's go through those. Everyone, first of all, everyone. Christmas offering. Christmas offering is coming up soon. It takes place on December, on December the 14th. Now, in this Christmas offering, when we give above and beyond, every dollar that you give to the Christmas offering, half of it goes to further our kids' ministry here at Brentwood Church. It's called Brentwood Kids. And the other half goes to further Mosaic. So a kid for a kid. We are passionate about reaching families and leading them to new and deeper levels with Jesus. So this Christmas offering will allow us to impact families both within these walls and families out there who may never, ever walk through the doors of this church. Now some, some of you, volunteer with Mosaic. Some of you can actually volunteer with Mosaic. Now, this can be anything from building bags, you know, putting the bags together for foster children. It can be making the meals for the families. It can be delivering the meals to the families. It can even be organizing community events that help provide that support, whether it's emotional or physical or, or spiritual support. If that's an interest to you and, and you want to just volunteer with Mosaic, all you have to do is email today, mosaic at brentwoodchurch.org to get started. Someone from our Mosaic team will get back with you with more details on how to get started. Now, finally, a few, a few, a few of you will be called to foster and or adopt. And if that's you, then all you need to do for your next step is email foster at brentwoodmosaic.org. That's foster at brentwoodmosaic.org. We would love to help, uh, help you on your journey because it is so helpful to learn from other people who've already been down that path before. And you know what? Just for some of you that are kind of sitting there uneasy, the truth is not everyone is going to foster and adopt. It's not an easy process. Not everyone is going to be called to literally welcome a child into their house for either a period of time or for the rest of time. Which is why one of the best ways that we can actually show support to these families is by celebrating what they're doing. In fact, we have a way to do that. Tonight, tonight, we are having a mosaic celebration. It's located at Amazement Square from 6 to 8 p.m. This will be an incredible time for us as a community to celebrate the families who have taken the steps to serve our community through foster and adoptive care. Uh, today, you can register online as soon as the service is over. Register by going to brentwoodchurch.org slash mosaic celebration 2014. Great way for us to celebrate the families that have taken the plunge and are taking in kids. Um, please be there. Sign up. See you tonight. So again, let's just review that bottom line one more time. Taking care of the orphan is more than an act of goodwill. It's an act of obedience. And that obedience is going to look different for everyone. You know, right now, just personally, 
that obedience for my wife and I was to move into a three-bedroom apartment. We um, are in the process of adoption currently. Uh, but in order to do so, we had to leave our comfortable two-story townhome and, and, and move into an apartment where we've increased the amount of neighbors by 100% just in order for us to be able to have three bedrooms. Now, trust me. Trust me. This is just being honest. My goodwill would have stopped well before making that decision to relocate my family to this apartment. You know, adoption is a great concept. It makes me feel good when I consider the goodwill that I'm going to do. But that only carries me so far. What helped Casey and I to uh, continue to take our next step in moving to this three-bedroom apartment was the fact that for us, it wasn't a matter of goodwill. It was a matter of obedience. Because remember, taking care of the orphan is more than an act of goodwill. It's an act of obedience. When's the last time God spoke to you? You, know, like you? you heard from God. Maybe not audibly, but you saw and experienced something and, and you knew um, specifically God was communicating to you. When was, when was the last time that happened to you? For me, it was this past weekend. Um, Casey and I were actually in Fredericksburg, Virginia at an adoption training. And so as I just mentioned, we're in the process of adoption. And uh, we, we believe that God wants us to build our family by adopting the remainder of our children, however many that may be. And so we're at this training with 12, uh, 12 other couples in this room. Uh, we're, we're learning about every detail concerning the adoption process. And it is a process. Uh, I mean, it requires much patience and faith and coffee. Those three things. That's what it requires. On the second day of the training, uh, something powerful happened. We got, we got to hear from a birth mother and the adoptive parents of her child. And, and they kind of they sat in the front of the room in three chairs uh, in, in front of uh, all 12 couples. It was an incredible experience. Um, it, it was as if we had been given like backstage passes to an incredible conversation that was extremely intimate and extremely personal. Like, this was literally only the second time that the birth mom and the adoptive parents had met each other in person. And the child at this point was two years old. The mom sat there, the birth mom, literally trembling with a range of emotions that included fear. Fear of what we, the audience, would think of her for choosing to make an adoption plan for her son. Guilt. Guilt for, for not being able to adequately care and provide for her son. Shame. Shame for this unwise action she made with her boyfriend that led her to, to get pregnant. Inadequacy. A feeling of being inadequate as if uh, she didn't measure up to this other couple who gladly took in her son because they were unable to have children of their own. But then beside her, you had this, this couple, right? They battled through their own feelings of, of not being able to have children of their own and, and taking in this child who, who didn't look like them at all. They, they wrestled with the feelings of, of even anger over the fact that she was able to get pregnant and they weren't. They, you can see it. They were trying to balance this emotion of, of finally being able to call a child their own, but at the same time trying to empathize with this birth mom 
who on the child's delivery date came to the hospital carrying a child that she had given life to for nine months, but left the hospital with nothing in hand. And so as we sat there watching these, these two parties talk about the adoption process from start to finish, uh, I felt God's spirit start to, start to move inside of me. It literally kind of well up, prompting me to share something with the entire room. Now, I know that it was God because I would never have done that in my flesh. Never. Like, it might be hard for you to imagine, but I don't like to rock the boat. I don't like to be the spotlight. You can ask my wife, like when my order is wrong, I don't even like to tell the waitress that my order was wrong. I don't like to, to rock the boat, but it quickly became such a strong urge that I could not hold it in. And so in the middle of that classroom with the 12 couples, with, with the birth mom and the adoptive parents, I raised my hand and, and I proceeded to explain how their story of adoption displayed such incredible elements of grace, of mercy, of forgiveness, of kindness, not only in the relationship between the birth mom and the adoptive parents, but also in the beautiful picture of the child being adopted into a new family, given their last name and loved unconditionally. I I reminded the room that, that their story was an example of the gospel, how God takes broken things and makes them beautiful. How, how God takes broken people. And hopeless situations. And somehow redeems them. Through Jesus. I went on to thank them for their honesty. And, and for the reminder of the gospel. What Jesus has done for us. Taken us in. And called us his own. The reminder of how God has provided salvation. And help to us. When we could not do it for ourselves. And in that moment, it hit me. I mean, it just, it hit me. Like after I was done talking and thinking about how on earth or why on earth I just spoke up like that in the adoption training. This one clear thought flooded my mind. So I I got out my pen and paper and I wrote this down. Mosaic makes Brentwood Church healthier by being a visible and active demonstration of the gospel. See, listen, every time an adoptive or foster family walks through our doors, every time we get to serve food or give a mosaic back to a family, we get to see a tangible display of the gospel, of God's love and grace for us through his son, Jesus. And we need that. Like, we need a constant reminder because we so quickly forget We are healthier as a church because we welcome to our door an ever-present display of the gospel. God has adopted us into his family with an unconditional love, fully accepted and with a new identity. So Brentwood Church, what's your next step? What is your next step to take action with Mosaic? Christmas offering? Volunteering with Mosaic team? Maybe even becoming a foster or adoptive family. Whatever it is, remember this. Remember, taking care of the orphan is more than an act of goodwill. It's an act of obedience. And to top it all off, there's even a payoff for us as a church. Right? Mosaic makes Brentwood Church healthier by being a visible and active demonstration of the gospel.
That as we continue to march forward with our mandate to look after the orphan, we receive a constant opportunity to be reminded of and thankful for what Jesus has done for us. Stand with me right now. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you so much for uh, really just imprinting on the hearts of, of this church's leadership and people. Um, to do something so intentionally and strategically and passionately for, for the orphan. For the child and children who are un- unable to um, provide for themselves the things that they need. God, um, thank you just for already what we've seen you do in our community through Mosaic. The families that have been impacted. God, thank you. For that ever-present reminder of the gospel. And what Jesus has done for us. Every time we see that family walk in. Or every time we give a meal. God, thanks for that reminder. We need that. God, help us to, to live our lives just um, in, in a, a fullness of, uh, of the truth of what you've done for us. That we've been adopted. That you've called us your own. That you love us unconditionally. That you accept us fully through Jesus, to help us to live lives that reflect that. And God, I just pray that you would continue to, to stir the hearts of people in this church to, to be able to ask ourselves, what, what can we do? What, what next step do I need to take today um, to help partner with this church and to help partner with Mosaic? God, I pray for the future moving forward, um, that you would literally change the world um, through us by starting with with these families, and with these kids. It is a privilege to serve you, God, uh, through serving these children. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.